Welcome to the Bid mini-series, The Real Leaders of Net Zero, where we talk with CEOs about what they and their companies are doing to move the world to net zero. I'm your host, Mark Weidman. Did you know that construction buildings are responsible for, wait for it, almost 40% of global CO2 emissions? That includes the emissions that come from processing the raw materials, think cement, think steel, and even bigger, the emissions that come from operating and powering those buildings during their whole lifetime. So if you are in the business of building, how can you build greener? Jan Jenisch, CEO of Wholesome, a global leader in building materials, is working on that challenge. I got to visit Wholesome's green cement plant in Switzerland to see firsthand how they are creating more sustainable building materials, how they're recycling materials to build more new from the old, how they're increasing building efficiency. After the tour was over, Jan and I sat down to chat more about Wholesome and its plans for a net zero future. Jan, welcome to The Bid. Tell us about Wholesome. Wholesome is the largest building materials company in the world. Building materials, how we do houses, how we do infrastructure, how we do plants, everything we use every day has to be built. And we come from originally cement, cementitious material. Now we move also in more sophisticated, state-of-the-art applications like roofing systems, where we make big inroads the last two years and become one of the leaders globally. We have 70,000 employees, and that needs a strong strategy to bind them all together and be successful. Let's talk about the basic chemistry about cement and concrete. How do carbon emissions happen? We have basically two sources. So for cement, one of a product with high carbon footprint, we have about 40% of that coming from the energy we are using to produce cement, which traditionally is fossil fuel based. To burn it hot. To burn it. And nowadays, of course, we go to renewables, we go to alternative fuels. And the other 60% comes from a chemical reaction when we transform the limestone into a cement stone. And that also needs to be decarbonized. So we are using alternative raw materials, which are already decarbonized, to transform without this carbon emission. So I think this is critical for people to understand. Any concrete they see anywhere in the world, the very chemical reaction to make the concrete yeah. involved big carbon emissions. And the energy to heat it up, to actually create the process, itself takes lots of energy, lots of carbon emissions. So how do you break that apart and bring down the carbon content? Absolutely, it's true for all building materials. You talk about glass or steel or plastics, they all have a relatively high carbon footprint. And concrete is the most used material after water, right? Because everything we do is such a fantastic building material for all the properties it has. So we have to use it also in the future, but decarbonize it. So how we go to do about it? So first of all, we need to use decarbonized raw materials to not have the chemical reaction. Then we have to use 100% alternative fuels and renewable energy to operate the plants. And then we have to also use alternative materials to use less virgin or fresh cement material. So we just uh, 
using, for example, construction demolition waste is one big source for us, where we are already the biggest recycler. And we use construction demolition waste as a raw material, but also to put straight away in our new products. One of the points Bill Gates makes in his book on decarbonizing the economy is that the world, especially the poorer world, needs concrete for better living standards. So if we're going to have a better world for people to live in, better homes that's durable and safe, how do we decarbonize something that inherently emits carbon when you make it? We decarbonize the process and we decarbonize the materials we are using. It's possible. We have been on a nice tour in one of our plants today, and you can see how much different roadmaps we have in place to decarbonize. And we just launched three years ago our first green range of products, EcoPlanet for cement, EcoPact for concrete. And these products have the simple promise that the CO2 footprint is at least 30% reduced already by applying the principles we discussed, alternative raw materials, alternative fuel, but also different minerals and recycling into the final product. So you've launched a whole new range of branded products, which I think is new for you, having a consumer-oriented or architect-oriented brand. Absolutely. I had to convince my own people first to make this green range. And I'm glad we came to that decision because that gives us a whole new dimension for the customer. So suddenly sustainability is a part of the buying process, is a buying criteria. And for us, it's a unique selling proposition. So that gives us actually now a lot of space to engage with architects, with homeowners, because they are the ones who want sustainability to happen. So decarbonization, how does that relate to your business strategy? Oh, that's at the core of our strategy. Without decarbonization, you don't have a license to operate in the future. So we made it an opportunity and we want to be the fastest leading the sector of construction building to decarbonize totally wholesome, but also decarbonize the way we build and the way we live. Beyond using substitute materials as an additive and also using some recycled concrete, what else can you do? Well, you have a whole range of different minerals you can use as a raw material that can be waste material from factories or waste from the cities that can be construction demolition waste. Then we have a full range of alternative fuels. We are one of the biggest alternative fuels users in the world. So you get that from also from factories to municipal waste. And then finally, we have a whole range of minerals we can mix into the cement for the final mix to lower the actual cement content. So we can get the carbon content just using some basic substitutions. Now, as we use your product, designing buildings, how can we actually change the carbon content of a building through design and how we build? So the materials is one thing, but we also have to build smarter. We have a huge demand to build more and we have to do this much smarter and with less. So for example, today, are building materials really used efficiently? In most cases, not. We build two dimensionals, like when we make a ceiling or a floor at the moment, the whole thing has the same strength and thickness all the way through, even you should only have that at the weakest spot, right? So we have to go into three-dimensional structures, for example. So with higher strength material, three-dimensional, and then we can reduce the materials being used. So what is a three-dimensional material? What do you mean by that? 
Or for example, 3D printing, you know, we have done a showcase bridge, which is consisting of 52 elements 3D printed. And because 3D printing, you can then do it three dimensionals and you only strengthen where you need to strengthen. So it's basically, you're almost through design, cutting away all the excess material. Absolutely. And that by itself, you've dramatically dropped the carbon content of a building. Absolutely, and that applies to a bridge, applies to a wall or a ceiling or a floor, where everything is just two-dimensional today, and you should make this a three-dimensional form piece, which is strengthened where strength is needed and less material where the strength is not needed. In all this decarbonization of your actual building materials, do your costs rise? Hopefully customers will pay more, but do your costs rise? You know, when you look at that recycling, that's actually very cost effective because we take waste in from other people and we get paid to take that waste. And then we have a very smart way to recycle. So that's actually very profitable when we look at the recycling. And we already made it a business. We have as of last year, we already recycled 6.6 million tons of construction demolition waste. That's more than 1,000 full truckloads every single day. So we make this already a volume business for us. And that's the task we have, right? Construction is huge volumes. So we have to scale up our supply chains to make that happen. So from your waste materials, even in early days, 6 million tons of waste you're actually using to decarbonize because it substitutes for something that would have created carbon. And people are paying you to take the waste away. That's how it works. Now, we have to be also realistic. So to decarbonize the first 20, 30, 40%, that is not an easy game, but that can be done very profitable and maybe even at similar cost. Then to decarbonize more, that's then will cost us overproportional more money. So we have to make sure that the customer pays for it or we have building norms or regulation requiring that type of material. We visited your quarry today. Talk a bit about how you're automating your quarry. It runs 24-7 and we need to automize it, not only to save costs, but also to make it a safe place to work. When you operate 24-7, you don't want to have a big workforce. You want to have automated processes. Now, the quarry was an area which actually was until today very manual, right? You have a lot of equipment, you need a lot of people to operate the equipment. And today we visited a quarry where we have the first fleet of autonomous and electric trucks, and that's fabulous. We are now testing that equipment this year, and it will run fully with the full fleet from beginning of next year. What I found amazing about visiting is that you're going to have a fleet of trucks, they're smaller than traditional trucks because your labor costs are gone. Therefore, you can actually run them in smaller units. And when you put it all together with lower maintenance, and even though the trucks cost more than a small one with a driver, you're actually gonna be reducing your costs and reducing your safety risks because quarries are extremely dangerous places. Where else do you see automation happening throughout your factories and your plants? So we take that along. The quarry is still a big task. And then we have to also replace all the other equipment and make them automized and autonomous and all electric. I think that's what we're trying to do over the next few years. We have also seen all our digitalization of the plant. So we are using now to observe the plant. We have drones 
We had this electric robot dog. The right? animal, the walking dog. The animal. And what's great about all these things, it's also less risk for the people because they don't have to climb in any silo or they don't have to climb up any chimney. And this equipment is collecting much more data because they register vibrations, noise, temperature. With all this automation, eliminating dangerous jobs, but eliminating jobs, how does your workforce react? And what do you think is the long-term social impact of this relentless digitization and automation? I think it's positive because when you see now the process we describe, I need more people in the lab because to take recycling material in and recycle, I have to make much more quality check of the incoming material, of the outgoing material. I have to operate all those drones and the animal and the electric fleet. I need smart people. And I think that's a great job development because the workers we have now, that's the generation. But I think the next generation, they don't want to necessarily work at a factory, but they would be interested to be a more sophisticated handler of all this digitalization. So I think it's a very positive development. Well, I can certainly say how to attract a kind of talent that you might otherwise struggle to get. Yeah. People who are actually really, they're engineers or even like supervisors of machines. Recycling and the circular economy. How do you see the main places where Wholesome can actually drive business results by recycling? So I think last year we recycled more than 50 million tons of material from alternative raw materials, alternative fuels, but also to these new mineral sources we are having. And we promise to double that to 100 million tons by 2030. That's for us a great new dimension of the business, because you can imagine, we talked about the demolition waste. I'm already taking back 1,000 truckloads a day, and we promise not to double it, but bring it to 10 million tons by already 25. So basically then I'm at... 1,700 trucks a day, and I have to make all that supply chain work. So I have to be able to get the trucks in. I have to have the recycling station. I have to have different silos because you get different qualities of material out of the recycling. While demolition waste is fantastic, you can recycle 100%, no downcycle. You get different qualities depending on the input. So you have maybe a lower grade of recycling, then it goes into roadworks, you have a higher grade, it goes into concrete, and then you have the highest grade you can even use back in the cement. Carbon capture. How are you thinking about it? How does it work? We have more than 30 projects around the globe for carbon capture. So for storage or for usage, I think it's fantastic. We have piloting. We're going to see the first plants of Holzim using carbon capture before 2030. Depends a bit on the legislation or the framework you have in each market. One thing is important when we talk carbon capture is carbon capture comes at a cost, right? So you can calculate this will be 60 euros per ton of CO2 or 100, or maybe in some cases 200 where the framework is not so perfect. So one thing is key for me, I wanna decarbonize as much as I can with all the initiatives we talked about because I wanna actually capture as little CO2 as possible, then I will be the winner. So not just produce the way you produced and then put a carbon capture on top and take 100% of your current CO2. You better reduce that by 50% and then you carbon capture. Emerging markets, poor countries, with low labor costs and generally lower ability to pay for building materials. 
How does decarbonization differ away from Zurich, which is a rather high cost location? Oh, that's a big unanswered question. If we see now the big decarbonization plan we have in Europe, now the U.S. has picked up surprisingly for many. So we're going to have decarbonization, I think, in both regions. If others will follow, that's the big question. You still have in big markets like India, they're still building coal plants. They are still building all sorts of carbon producing industries. So Jan, you run the world's number one buildings material manufacturer and the number two recycler in the whole world. What do you think is the single most important thing that needs to happen to get the world to net zero? I think the biggest challenge we have are the geopolitical tensions we are seeing now everywhere from the failed Paris Agreement to the current missing world coalition against the war in the Ukraine, for example. And I think this will be our biggest challenge. If you cannot align, then you have Europe and North America with quite strong decarbonization paths, and then the rest of the world not following. That will not be the right solution. Jan, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, Mark. This material is intended for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment advice, a recommendation or an offer or solicitation to purchase or sell any securities, funds or strategies to any person in any jurisdiction in which an offer, solicitation, purchase or sale would be unlawful under the securities laws of such jurisdiction. The opinions expressed are as of the date of publication and are subject to change without notice. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the listener. Investing involves risks. BlackRock does and may seek to do business with companies covered in this podcast. As a result, listeners should be aware that the firm may have a conflict of interest that could affect the objectivity of this podcast. For more information, visit blackrock.com forward slash the bid.